Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. The basement of my house is a really productive space. My husband's a carpenter, and he uses that space down there as a workshop. It used to be, when we first moved in, a practice space for the bands I was in. But since my husband is a much better carpenter than I am a musician, it makes way more sense for him to spread out and work down there. It's one of the reasons we live here. A basement workshop where he can create things at his own pace and in the exact way he wants without having to leave at the end of the day and clock out or worry about a co-tenant messing with his stuff or pay someone else for the space was massively important to him and to us. We're lucky to have it, and it gets used every single day. And I'll tell you what, having an unemployed carpenter in the house during a pandemic means this place looks amazing. And it really makes a difference in what work comes out of a person when they're truly comfortable in the space they create. The place of a thing matters. A location can inspire. The where of creation can be just as important as the who and the what. When we're talking about the Fuji's album, The Score, which we are, I think we also need to talk about where this album was made. The score has sold roughly 22 million copies worldwide, and it's one of the best-selling hip-hop albums of all time. And it was made in a basement in New Jersey. In this episode of The Opus, we're headed down to the Booga Basement. It was created by Brene Duplessis and his brother, Jerry Wanda Duplessis, and their cousin, Wyclef Jean. And it's where a literal underground hip-hop masterpiece was made in a space that looked a lot like the regular old basement in my regular old house. For Consequence of Sound and Sony Legacy, I'm Jill Hopkins, and this is The Opus. Come on downstairs, and hey, watch your head. Now that I escape, sleep, walk, awake. Those who correlate know the world they kick. Jail bars ain't golden gates. Those who fake, they break. When they meet their 400 pound mate, if I could rule the world, everyone would have a gun in the ghetto, of course, when get the up and on their horse. Welcome to jail. Welcome to the Booger Basement. Yeah. <laughs> I did Wonderland, Jerry Wonder, Platinum Sound Score. <laughs> hey, this is amazing already. I love it so much. Let's start with the vibe, you know. <laughs> 
How are you this morning, Jerry Wanda? This is how Jerry Wanda welcomes you to a Zoom call. When his screen popped up on my screen to start our interview, he had a full keyboard and soundboard in front of him and a bass guitar just off to his right side. He also had some amazing colored disco lights going, even though it was the middle of the afternoon. In full disclosure, it made my entire day. It was warm, it was fun, and so was he. Now, if that's how Jerry Wonder welcomes a stranger over the internet into an interview, how welcome must the Fujis have felt in the Booga basement? Jerry's cousins, Wyclef and Praz, and their talented co-MC Lauren, and their band, if they felt half as comfortable in their studio as I felt five minutes into a dang Zoom call, it's no wonder the score sounds so good. Now, basement is right there in the name. But in case you're picturing someplace with drywall and carpet and paint, let me relieve you of that thought. It was a basement. Chris Schwartz from Rough House Records corroborates that. Picture a house that was built in like 1920 in a neighborhood. Yeah, it was a basement, like <laughs> a basement basement, you know, like dusky or musky, you know, like dark, you know, had like the grimy, like, you know, uh, well windows and everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the ceiling was literally like that far from your head. And yeah, and they put this big console in there and yeah, it was uh, it was uh, it was a basement. Well, that's fine, right? A regular basement is fine. You can be yourself in a casual space like that. And it doesn't matter what the room is like if the vibe is right and everyone's doing their jobs. And this particular basement came from a place of love. Like for real. Because it was a family affair. My dad ended up moving now from Brooklyn by the house in East Orange, New Jersey. Five minutes from where the church was. So my dad was like, always want to be a DJ, had so many vinyls, you know. And when we offered to really put up some music, he's like, go ahead and do it. So we ended up building up a recording studio and a basement, believe it or not. It was really, people think you just grew up rich and blah, blah. My dad bought that house. Till today, we still don't know how much, where he got the money, how he bought the house. But we end up called that house the Booger Basement. Take the basement, put instrument. And a lot of people say if it wasn't for the basement, it wouldn't be a score. But only God knows. But when you take a route, that's the route. The talent in the Booger Basement during these sessions is a 25-year-old non-secret now. But in that basement, in that home, it felt special even in the moment. The whole album was like, okay, we're going to do play, have an album. At least we're going to go gold. We know something good going to happen. Because, you know, with, with Lauren's lyrics, with um, Melody, she was always, she's like a, a jukebox. She was always coming up with some crazy melody. And the first song we recorded, believe it or not, was this song, was this song, this song right here. <laughs> that was Ready or Not. Yeah. That was the first song that we recorded in that score album. Joe Nicolo, who's also from Rough House Records, Joe the Butcher, he remembers his first time hearing what would soon be another hit. I'll never forget the first time Clef played me 
killing me softly. And I was, I was just totally blown away by it. But I was like, you know, Clef, from a production side, though, man, you've got, you got the beat, bass comes in for the first chorus, and then it's just Lauren and the beat again for the second verse, man. I mean, the, uh, the energy just kind of drops in the second verse. I said, you should keep the bass in or add something, I mean, just to, to build the energy to the next verse. And he was like, nope. So I'm like, I'm not you know, I'm trying to be the A&R guy. And it's like, <laughs> dude, you know, you should really try to put a little something, a little something, something in there. Let me put a little something, something in there. And he's like, nope. And he didn't. And uh, nine times out of 10, you find out, man, that the artist is almost always right. Because it was like, there was just, was just that record was, you knew it was, it was magic. In the mid-1990s, while the Fugees were making history in a basement in New Jersey, a different group of future superstars were changing the game in their own way, in their own basement. And this time, it's in Atlanta, Georgia. I couldn't go through all this basement talk without bringing up the dungeon. It was a cramped, musky crawl space underneath Rico Wade's mother's house, where he and his production team, Organized Noise, would create the space for Big Boy and Andre 3000 to dedicate themselves to putting Atlanta hip-hop on the map. Outcast would shape Southern playlistic Cadillac music in that damp room, in that humid city, and that brings us back to the where being just as important as the whys, the whos, and whats. If an album can have a drawl, and I don't mean if rappers can have a drawl. Of course, rappers have accents. And of course, that lends itself to the unique sound of Southern hip hop. But if an album can have a drawl, this album definitely has one. You can feel the dust and the heat of the dungeon come through in that first Outcast album. Big Boy and Andre's vocals and references have remained very much Atlanta throughout their careers. But the very specific layer of grime on Southern Playlistic just doesn't really exist on their subsequent records that never saw the lack of light of day of the dungeon. And just like Andre and Big Boy, Wyclef, Lorne, and Praz would go on to record in world-class studios after the score, and the Booga basement would eventually grow out from underneath Jerry and Renee Duplessis's parents' house. But the finished works that came out of that unfinished basement have their own layer of grime, too.
Ballista MI quick and let's come in around the south road and straight hammers and bows and that old southern south please Ain't nothing but incense in my atmosphere I'm being they corners in my lag by cause that's how we been rolling here Yeah this thing is in the face because it's Georgia kicking the khakis and I that basement was the Motown, the, the Motown studio. We have so many people being on, and that's the, when you say Jamaican, Bounty Killer, Beanie Man, Akon, you know, the whole Fuji's. Then I even had another band called City High, you know, that I create, I create, you know, with my deal, with label deal, I create with Jimmy Iovine, all that create in that basement. Plus so many, I even had Bono for you, from you too. Red men, nutty by nature, everyone been to that basement. That basement was basically the sound of that era. Then to even to later on and build. So it was that it was the real booger basement. And when we did it, we um there's a song called Cowboys, and we are there's a band called uh, Outsiders. Outsiders was a hip hop group, and even Eminem was a part of the house outsiders. People don't know, but when you say booger basement, my God. Is like that's the studio, man. That's you had a vibe. It wasn't about money, it was about the talent. Oh, so much talent. And so many different kinds of people came through the Booga basement. And all of them were welcome. Just so long as you left the streets on the streets and came to work. Some of these artists, man, they, they leave the corner from selling drugs and they come straight to the house. And once they're in the house, there's no gun. Nobody and all we had two dogs and that's it. That protect the house and everybody <laughs> when they come, they know they're peaceful when they come there. There's no no but no beef. It's all about the music. They go out there, they get locked up straight from from the courthouse. Like yo, some of them is yo, I gotta take a shot, man. Straight from the courthouse. I got my session in two hours. I got two hours session. So Clef and I, we we charge the people. We make our little money to pay the light bill while we working on the Fujis. And later on, when the, that was even before the foot the score album. So that booger basement was the real real basement for real. And if you, if you are too tall, you can't reach in there. <laughs> There's something to be said about realness here, about authenticity, about writing stories of a heritage and a neighborhood and a life and recording those stories in that neighborhood with your family and friends in a house full of heritage. Aside from maybe like outlaw country, is there a genre of music that values authenticity more than hip-hop? This is Domiti Pongo. He's an MTV News correspondent and the host of the network's True Life Crime. And he, like me, is from the south side of Chicago. And as you know, I'm obligated by Illinois state law to mention that whenever applicable. I think that was part of why that album has the staying power it does because there's an emotional connection when the music is just that real and authentic that you just don't get in a lot of songs. A lot of songs might be good, but it's different when it's coming from a real authentic place. Sometimes it's different when the artist is picking their samples, when the producer is in the group too, when the songwriters are all in the room and they wrote this together, not to take anything away from artists who uh, have helped writing records because you know we know Lauren got help as well, but uh, I think it's it's all of that authenticity, that creative uh, energy they were in. The Booga Basement was in New Jersey, which is its own thing, hip-hop-wise. 
and the Fujis deciding to record there, where they lived and where Lauren was from, instead of New York, which was not that far away, lends a realness of its own. We have to mention Praz and Wyclef's Haitian heritage here. This was an album made by New Jersey Haitians for New Jersey Haitians inside of a Haitian home in New Jersey. And Samuel Ahmed, the executive editor at the digital media company Genius, lives in New Jersey. And he sees the importance of location and representation. One of the things about the appeal of the record, again, they have songs like No Woman, No Cry. They have a reggae and an element to this, to this whole album. That appeal, again, in the Bronx did, did, I think, play really well for them because there's a lot of like West Indians, a lot of Jamaicans, a lot of Haitians in, in the Bronx. And there, there, I think there was some cross-sectional uh, appeal. And that's one of the reasons why I felt like they were more comfortable exploring a variety of genres in, on the record itself. But in terms of New Jersey and New York, it's, it's, always, it's always a bridge too far. That's a bridge too far because, you know, New Jersey hip-hop definitely has its own, its own artists. But, you know, I think when people think of East Coast hip-hop, it's often tri-state. They, you know, they mean New York, New Jersey. Sometimes they include, like, Philly, something like that. But uh, yeah, as someone who's really from New York and is, you know, now lives in New Jersey, it's, it's always going to be, you know, a line in the sand. It's always a bridge and a tunnel in between. And, you know, there were a lot of successful New Jersey rappers, you know, of course, um, Red Band preceded these guys and, you know, Rod Digger and the Outsiders on this album too, you know, they were from New Jersey. You know, they were also, again, kind of just like Wu-Tang, you know, when Wu-Tang had rebranded Stan Allen and Shaolin. I mean, I don't know if the Fujis were the ones who started it, but they were definitely the ones calling it New, New Jeru's. You know, and that became kind of a thing. That's like a very 90s thing. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's always going to be that line between uh, New York and, and, and New Jersey, no matter what. We'll talk more about New Jersey and Haiti and why it was important for the Fugees to make sure they repped both so fervently throughout their careers together and separately in the next episode. In The Fugees recorded the score between June and November of 1995. That's the better part of a summer and fall spent in a dark, cramped basement, hanging out with their cousins, making noise, and playing with electronic devices. If you heard that about a group of kids, you'd make them go outside and not come back till the streetlights were on. But since we're talking about the Fugees, it's okay, because it all worked out. The Booga Basement is still going. It's fairly recently completed a renovation, and it's relocated to an actual building in Bloomfield, New Jersey. As for Jerry Wanda, Jerry Wanda's everywhere. I am in Minneapolis right now, Edina, uh, but um, I fly, I go back and forth, and um, in New York, uh, my studio, Platinum Sounds, is in Times Square. And I do have the Wonderland in New Jersey, mm-hmm. between New, New Jersey, New York, and Minnesota. Sometimes I do it in one day. And, like I said, the score has sold 22 million copies. Not bad for a basement recording. Warn the town, the beast is loose. Ah! Ah!
Word them up, y'all. Born the town, the beast is loose. Come on. Conflicts with nightsticks, illegal sales districts, handpicked lunatics, keep all the tricks, rich heretics. Push narcotics and misses risks and frisks. Cool clicks, throw bricks, but seldom get targets. Private dick sell hits like porno flicks to chicks. The six Before six, I go, I'd like to let you know some more about the Book of Basement. I like to know why people name things the way they do. The dungeon's name seems obvious. But what put the booga in the basement? You know what? It was like um, Booga Basement was willing. We was listening to a lot of reggae, Stone Love, and all them stuff. We you know Booga Bigger. You know, it was like a bigger basement, a Booga Basement. It's like make it like a big basement. That's how we was thinking. Yeah. You know? And we just uh, the inside just say Bigger Booga Booga Bigger. You know, <laughs> yeah. Booga Basement. And the basement was the basement. Basically, it was the basement. For Consequence of Sound and Sony Legacy, I'm Jill Hopkins, and this is The Opus. I'll see you next time. Well, I'm an MC. I'm down with the Fuji's mother Mary. Quarter flashback like Rodney. Now the cops got lolly. The subconscious psychology that you use against me. If I lose control, will send me to the penitentiary. It's Alcatraz. I shot up like El Haj Malik Shabazz. Hot class to bypass when my ass gets harassed. And the fuzz treat bruns like they manhood never was. And if you too powerful, you can bug like Peter Tosh and Marley was. And my word does nothing against the feds. So my eyes stay red as I chase crazy ball heads. Word up. On the town, the beast is Consequence Podcast Network. What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone. The What Podcast with Brad Barry, Lord Taco, dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene. Brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in Brooklyn, where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born. Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at thewhatpodcast.com work. Also really good at identifying babies, loves blue-haired moms, PBR, and his beautiful Volkswagen bus. We all fell in love with the Bonnaroo Festival years ago, not only because of the amazing bands that play there every year, but also because of the incredible community spirit that has developed around it. Radiate positivity. And we really like talking about the inside baseball stuff when it comes to putting on a huge music festival. So join us. You can hear the What Podcast on the Consequence Podcast Network or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.